Hey, this is Shelly Zan, and this is the Impact Over Influence podcast. I hope that you receive whatever it is that God has for you today. Okay, everybody on Impact Over Influence, you are here. You are listening to the correct channel. Um, I have some announcements that I want to talk about before we get into the episode today. Number one is going to be um, different conferences that we have coming up. The first one's going to be March or February 17th. It's actually a girls from 6th grade to 12th grade. That's going to be in Teague, Texas. Following that on March 9th, I'll be at Bethel Church in Buffalo, Texas. Then we also have on March 15th is actually a men's only event that my husband is hosting at our church, Common Ground Cowboy Church. This is a fire night for men. Um, so the pastor of Bethel and Anson is going to be preaching at it. Get on Facebook right now after you're done listening to this, of course, and, um, check out his, the pastor's name is Cody Cochran. Him and his wife are going to be coming in. So that Friday night is men only. And then the Saturday from 11 to four is going to be for couples. So if you are a marriage that is like, God, you feel like God is speaking to y'all. Let's get on fire for God. Come to that. It's going to be awesome. Following that, um, on April 26th through the 28th is going to be our second annual Fill My Cup Retreat. Women um, only to come to that. It's at Moon River Ranch right outside of Waco. So I'm just giving you all these details. So the number one, you can put on your calendar, take off work, be on the lookout, um, pray for others to invite. And so those tickets will also go on sale next week. Um, okay, to the podcast. So week before last, this past episode, we kind of drew in from the archives um, because we had a bunch of ice here and we couldn't record. But two podcasts ago, whatever episode that was, we talked about contending for our faith, about we do have an opposer. We are in a struggle, right? Not against flesh, but against principality and how what that looks like, right? Like, why do we feel like we are still in a battle? Because we are, and it's spiritual. And so today we're going to uncover a bunch of verses, um, just kind of keeping on talking about that and also talking about the commands of God and how keeping the commands of God and his righteousness is how we contend for our faith. What that obedience looks like and how observing God and obeying God, that is how we honor and respect God. Therefore, he takes away our enemies. He ambushes them from all sides. So I want to share a really, really stout word real quick with everyone listening because I think everybody needs to hear this right now. I know somebody does, so I'm going to say it. Whatever God has asked you to do, you are not qualified for. You are not good enough for. You are not capable of doing it. But I'm going to tell you what. God wants you to do it anyways because you will do it by his spirit. In general, I mean, I'm talking to friends from all over the place. And they're like, man, like, I have an opposition. Okay, you're having to contend. That's what this is. And so it's like, oh, you know, you're not good, this and that. Everybody's fine tooth combing everybody. I want you to know nobody in ministry that is of flesh is qualified to preach the gospel. But by the spirit of the living God that resides in us makes us all the more capable. And I'm going to tell you what, whenever God gives you a desire and an assignment and a purpose, nobody can take that from you because it was not given to you by the authority of man. It was given to you by the authority of God. And that's something that we hold on to. And that's what we contend for. We say, you know what? I know that I'm nothing, but I humbly come before the throne of God with confidence, just like scripture tells us. So if this, if you're in a season right now of just doubt of like, what am I even doing and why nobody thinks I should be here anyways, do it anyway, because God's the one that gave it to you. God's the one that says that. I don't care if it's something to do with your age, go read Timothy. He says, for your age does not matter. Don't let anyone talk down to you because of your age. 
If it's because you're too old, go read about Zechariah, Abraham. We get all these excuses from, from the enemy is who they're from to pour doubt into us because if we will take on that spirit of doubt, that spirit of doubt is not of God and therefore we surrender to Satan. We're not here to do that. So before we even get in here, I want to talk a little bit about, I want that to kind of lead us up talking about Moses. Moses is the godfather of all the things, right? Like when you think of Bible, you think of Moses. Um, so with that being said, Moses ha- could not talk, right? Okay. He had a speech impediment. That he was, it was very hard for him to communicate. He was the youngest of his siblings. His brother, Aaron, ended up speaking for him and his sister was a prophetess. Okay. Miriam. So this guy is the youngest of the family with a major, major, major purpose that the people surrounding him would come alongside him and help with. God is placing people in your life right now that are going to help with your calling. Why? Because they have the Holy Spirit in them yearning. They have a yearning to help you because they see the anointing that God is pouring in you and around you. So I want for you to find confidence in that also. It's not of yourself. It never was from the beginning. And it's my belief that Jesus Christ in the flesh had no capability of even hanging on the cross if it wasn't for the spirit of the living God inside of him, giving him strength and provision for that. That was a hard task. But God made it possible. So back to Moses. Moses also was a fugitive. Moses ran away. He ended up shepherding in the fields with his father-in-law instead of walking in his calling. But here's the deal. God showed up. God gave him purpose. God met him. And spoke to him, and he took it for what it was, and he took it serious, and he started walking in it. But Moses was a contender of the faith. Moses, if you go read Exodus chapter 32, 9 through 14, I really encourage you to read that yourself. But it's basically Moses saying, God, don't pour your wrath out on these people. You love these people, and you have promised them your land. And God's like, why should I hold back and not burn them all up? And Moses contended even to a holy God. So some people say like, oh, can you, and so it was a question I asked myself as I was reading these scriptures. I was like, hold up, hold up. Can man change God's mind? Because the thing is, God is all knowing, right? Nothing surprises him. So God foreknew that Moses would contend for them, but Moses proceeded to intercede for the people, for the Israelites, saying, God, I know that you love them more. Don't cast your wrath on them. Because guess what? When they were in the wilderness, they're all crying out saying, God's forgot about me. And there's somebody listening right now that you're actually trying to take forward steps to walk in your calling that God's given you, but you feel like you're in the wilderness. Like, did God save me and give me this so that now I would feel like I want to die? I'm going to tell you what, living your life for the Lord is hard. Living your life for the, for the Lord takes work. Living your life for the Lord can be lonely. You need to understand that right now, but you better contend for it. It is worth fighting for. Your faith, your peace, your hope that we get through Jesus Christ is worth coming up against the opposer and saying, no, 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 you're not going to take this from me. That's exactly who Moses was, and that's exactly what Moses did. Today I'm going to be reading out of Deuteronomy chapter 6. So to start off with, it says this. Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. Right here, we see the little situation. Moses is standing up and he's saying, here's the deal. I've been commanded by God to teach you before you cross over into what he has promised you. Okay? The commands of God are not, well, maybe if you feel like it's, 
or they're kind of negotiable. No, a command is a command. It is a do this, and if you don't, this. It is a yes, I've promised you crossing over to the Jordan. Yes, I have promised you these things if you keep my commands. And so we live in a world right now where everything is negotiable. You want to negotiate your interest rate? Hit up the car salesman. Your kids negotiate with you on what their curfew is going to be at night. We negotiate with our spouse how much money we're going to spend this month. We negotiate all kinds of stuff. The commands of God are not negotiable. They are set, and guess what? They're set for our benefit. Those boundaries are set for our, our the way that he loves us. Okay? He knows that's going to bring a benefit to us. So, back to the commands. I think that... Um, you know, it, it, he was, Moses was commanded by God to teach, to bring his word forward to the people of Israel, to God's chosen, right? And see, the thing how I see it, this is how I see it. When God places something on me or on you as purpose, he also gives you the correct amount of grace that is sufficient for it, according to his word. And he also gives you the favor. He gives you the anointing of Jesus to be able to walk it out. And it makes me think of this. So Peter, if you know anything about New Testament Peter, Peter in the book of John denied Jesus, okay? But the Peter in Acts, in Acts chapter 4, Peter spoke, him and John spoke with so much of the Spirit in them that the listeners were marveled, is what the Scripture said. So how do we be in a guy that's really casting out doubt, he don't know who he's following, he don't know where he belongs, to now the Spirit is speaking through him and he, people are marveled at his speech. They're marveled at the things that he's saying of the kingdom of God. That transformation right there happens when we keep the commands of God. When we walk and we contend into what God has placed in us and that we don't take no for an answer, not from naysayers, not from the enemy in between our two ears. Because that's where the battle really is. I'm fired up today, y'all. I don't know where you're at listening, but you're like, whoa, this is a lot. But I'm telling you, like, I've never felt such an urgency for a podcast episode and all the time impact has even been born. So I pray that this just pours into you and that you soak it up and that you get you a bucket beside you to just keep the leftovers, okay? So back to verse 2 of chapter 6 in Deuteronomy. After he says this, I'm giving you these commands so that you may observe them, okay? Verse 2 says that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I have commanded you and your son and your grandsons in all the days of your life that your days may be prolonged. Okay, that's just one verse. Why do we need to keep the commandments of God and observe them? Because it affects our kids. That's why. And guess what? It affects our kids' grandkids. That's why. So we cross over and in this new life, we accept Jesus as our Savior. We start walking in our purpose. We, we allow the Holy Spirit to manifest himself as he wills. It's not just for us. The faith that you are contending for, the faith that you are fighting to keep and to walk in and to operate in, it's not just for your sake. It's for the generations after you and for the generations after them. That's the key importance of it. And why? So that your days may be prolonged. So that you have more time to fulfill your destiny and your purpose. Who doesn't want longer days that are good? I do. How do we know that they're good? Verse 3. Here we go. Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful and observe it, that it may be well with you. And that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Not only are you going to go and you're going to have a prosperous family, 
but they're going to live in a land of milk and honey. That is luxury. That is contentment. That is having all the things plus some. And I'm not saying that as in prosperity gospel because Jesus down the cross was enough for us to go to heaven. That's all we expect. But what I'm saying is that the promise of God of observing him, that's where that contentment comes from of saying, my needs are met. My needs are met because I'm keeping the commands of God, my father. Verse four, oh, hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be the frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Okay. So all these things he's commanded, love Lord your God with every single thing you got, not partially of what you have. And then he says, teach them to your kids when all the time, when you lie down, when you go by the way, when you're driving in your car, when you're dropping off at school, when you cook and supper, when you pray of them before bed, that's what we are to do. Y'all, we are to teach the commands of God to our children. And I'm going to tell you what, the, the children that are being raised up right now are in a whole nother spiritual battle than anybody else has ever walked in. I truly believe that. I truly believe that. And guess what? The world's teaching them all the things on TikTok. The world's teaching them all the things on Instagram. The world is for sure teaching them all the all the things in our public school systems that are ran by the government. The doctors are teaching them all the things by pouring more pills into their bodies. I'm not trying to get all controversial here, but what I'm trying to say is that if it's not the command of God, it doesn't need to be a command for us. If God doesn't say it, then why do we take it like it is the doctrine of the Bible? I'm saying that the Holy Spirit gives us discernment to say, hold up, hold up. That's not, that's not a command that I need to be observing. I need to be observing the commands of God. Kids right now stay in so much confusion. They don't know what they are, what they identify as, who their friends are. Loyalty has just gone out the window. And by the wayside, nobody takes anybody's word for anything anymore. Then you got these key keyboard warriors that really want to say something but never want to do what the Bible says and come face to face. You see what I'm saying? These are not the commands of God. And I just wish that we would be a set of Christians and, and, a, and a loving loving children of our Father, God, to say, you know what, Lord, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to teach my kids your commands. When they lie down, when they wake up, I'm going to put them on my doorpost. I'm going to hang them on my refrigerator. I'm going to put them on a magnet somewhere. I'm going to have them hanging from my rearview mirror. That's what the that's what these verses say. You shall see them. You shall speak them repetitively so that you will keep them. And so everyone's like, "Okay, show, well, that's really cool. Where do we where do we come up with these commands of God?" There's so much that we're supposed to be obeying, and you know, I just can't hold up to that. Well, here's what I'm telling you. Right now and today we're going to talk about the first 10. Exodus chapter 12, God gives Moses, the same man we're talking about, he gives them the tablets of the, the Ten Commandments. Deuteronomy chapter 5 ends up just reiterating them. And so I want to pull a few of them apart today. I want for um, them to resonate with you different than just when we were little kids. The other day, uh, we were talking about the Ten Commandments after our friend Cody, the pastor I was telling you all about that's going to be at the men's conference. or the men, I hate to say conference. That's so, like, formal for a man. It's formal for anybody, really. But anyway. Just like the man's night, if you will. 
he was he was preaching this and it just shook me to my bones. Like shook me to my bones. Because I'm like, you know, we teach our kids how to rope or how to throw a baseball or how to write or we teach them Lord knows how to do a lot of other things. Maybe you teach your kids how to cuss. Maybe you teach your kids how to pour back some beer. I don't know what you're giving the example of. But what I'm saying is we need to be giving them the commands of God. And I have so fallen short of that, of just speaking this stuff to my kids, making them know at, at ages of only five and eight what this actually means. And so as we uncover this today, I pray that it shines light for you like it did for me. I really know that it will because it's the Word of God and that's what it does. But I think that we really do push beside the, the wayside, to the wayside, the spiritual context that just the commandments of God are and how they help us fight against the enemy. So the first one that we're going to talk about is when God says you are to have no other gods but me. No other idols but me. God says that, right? For he says, I'm a jealous God in Deuteronomy 5. And I think about that like, man, the attribute of God is like he's jealous. Why? Because we are created for him and by him, according to Colossians 1. So I'm like, yeah, I'm jealous when something is made for me too. I got news. If my kids go and they start loving on somebody, calling somebody else mama, I'm going to let you guess on how that's going to go. <laughs> like, hold up. Uh, you're mine. I birthed you. I feed you. I pay your bills. I buy your clothes. I throw your birthday parties. Dang it. You're supposed to be calling me mama. And that may sound asinine to make that analogy, but I just want to tell you, like, think about how God feels when we start calling other things God. When we start worshiping other things to give us peace and hope that only he's capable of doing in the first place. Not to mention, how does God feel when we go to other things for healing? I'm not saying that we shouldn't, you know, there's, God did, I mean, I'm not against medicine, I'm not against doctors, I'm not against anything, but I'm just saying, how often do we run to other things other than coming to him? So have another gods, okay? Have another idols. How many of us spend more time at our careers making idols out of material things? Even making idols out of other people, that we idolize them as celebrities or whatever. And we're, we're so pumped to get backstage passes at a concert so that we can meet so-and-so. But we could meet Christ right now, right now wherever we are, and we could care less. And that's what I just want for us to realize with, those, with that commandment. Do I put a, things before you, God? Because if I do, then I'm making them God, which is the only placement that he should have. Just like I said earlier, you don't want someone else calling your kid mama because you know that you birthed them. That doesn't mean ownership. All of our kids belong to God. But I'm saying as a mom, I want them to observe that I nurture them. I want them to observe that I love them and that I take care of them. Right? Like that's a role that I'm responsible for. So I just want for us to acknowledge that. Another thing is God's name in vain. You know, I think of like how many people do that. How often, say you don't just throw damn it as a last name for God. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. God has no last name, especially not that one. What about whenever we all the time say, oh my God, OMG, you know, to ju just, the, just the fact that we depreciate the reverence. I'm not saying I've never been guilty of it, all of us. I'm not trying to be self-righteous here. I'm just saying, can we observe these commandments a little differently now? Can we stop being so loosely with the things that a man like Moses was commanded to give us for our benefit? Do we loosely use the name of God and put his name in vain? 
honor your father and mother. I hung up on this one for one, one for a little bit, only because um, I've been blessed with awesome parents. Um, but a lot of people, their home life is not the best, wasn't the best. Even my friends that are adults are like, I would absolutely not even have my parents inside my home. And so I got to praying into that on what honoring them does. Well, honoring them is your behavior and your respect. Honoring them is by me being a good person, by me walking in the fruits of the Spirit, by me keeping the and observing the commands of God. I'm honoring Him. Does that make sense? That That's what that is. And so I uncovered that word in the original. It's kavod, okay, which means respect and reverence. So when we honor our father and mother, we're showing them reverence. We're respecting them. It doesn't mean we have to imitate their actions if they are not worthy of, of God, of what he's, what he's teaching us. But it's about the respect part, honoring your father and mother. And then the days of your life will be long. Um, it's action and representation. Are you being a good representation of them? Okay. Um, first Peter two seventeen. I want to read that verse too. I didn't want to hang up and be flipping flopping a bunch on you guys today, but you know, that's why we're here is for the word of God. So back to the honor. First Peter two seventeen says, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God and honor the King. So if we're to honor all people, that means we're to respect all people. You don't have to agree with how somebody's living their life, but you need to respect them. You don't have to, to go alongside and be best friends or sign up to be on their whatever team or vote for them in politics, but you do need to have respect. You do need to not disrespect. And, and you know, I think about how people have bad people on their T-shirts and they're like, burn it to the ground and all the things. And it's like, the Bible says to honor all people. Like, we don't need to, to number one, we're supposed to be different, Right. Just because we disagree with something or somebody, like we don't, we don't need to go try to burn their house down. To honor all people because we fear God. Okay, moving on to shall not murder. Um, this is one that I'm not even going to get into the whole abortion part of that. But I'm talking murder and what it really means and how all of us have been guilty of it, even though we've never killed somebody. So hear me out. Have you ever said, I hate so-and-so? I know that you've said, I hate cold weather. I know that you've said, I hate traffic. I know that you've said, I hate doing burpees at the gym. I mean, I don't know where I've heard that, but maybe it was myself. I don't know. But a friend of mine, um, when we were at Bible study talking about this, she said, you know, I just feel like in our world today, we use hate so loosely. And I've never heard a truer statement, you know. The word hate is not foreign to our lips. We hate this. We hate this. We hate this. So as I read these verses, I just want to see if you feel any kind of conviction like I did. Because I did. So 1 John 3.15 says, Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So some versions, I'm in the New King James, some versions say brother and sister. But if you hate basically another person of the faith, right? Maybe in the natural, brother, sister, whatever. Take it as you will. But if you hate somebody, you are a murderer. How many people say they hate Joe Biden? Or they hate Donald Trump? Or they hate, you know, I don't know, I don't know what you've, I don't know what you have in your heart right now. 
But if there's resentment and bitterness, then that means there's also hate. And if you hate someone, you are a murderer. Does that make that thou shall, they shall not murder look a little bit different to you? Because I know it sure did for me. And I'm like, man, Father, forgive us. Forgive us for all the ways we break these commands, yet we have no earthly idea of the severity of it. Thank, and then it makes me have gratitude for the blood of Jesus that has washed me of the fact that he knew I would fall short at keeping these commands. By observing them and we repent, we observe him and the gift that salvation truly is. So keep on moving here. Shall not commit adultery. You know, uh, adultery is something that if you even think it, you did it. And so when you take two looks, I heard a pastor one time say, one look is one thing because you're not blind, but two looks is a sin. And I'm like, that's true. That's true. And you know, the th grass always seems greener on the other side. It does. But guess what? That other grass has to be watered. It has to be tended to. It's going to be a whole nother life change. Just it's going to be work because every relationship is. And adultery is something that is so common in our world because commitment is not common. So, I don't know. That was, that was pretty big. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. You know, Sunday is another day of the week. There was a day whenever I was young that you couldn't even go. I sound old saying that, right? <laughs> but I remember when I was little and, like, you could go get groceries. But, like, if you want to go shopping, shopping, stores were closed on Sunday. Or they closed early on Sunday. Now, Sunday is just another day. It's another work day. It's another baseball game. It's another practice day. It's literally just another day. It's a day that we can mow grass or whatever. And if we feel like it, we might go to church. We might go to church. One of my friends, April at Bible study, she says 68% of people will say that they are Christian. Okay. I wish that number was higher because at least you're claiming it. Hopefully that's something of belief. 68% of people claim to be Christians, but only 6% of people live it and are active in their churches. That is shocking to me. I don't know where she pulled that from, but I mean, let's just let that sink in for a minute. Are we living it? Are we committed to these commands? I want to be more committed to them. Moving on now, shall not steal. Um... I definitely have a testimony whenever it comes to theft. Um, just some stupid decisions that I made whenever I was about 16 years old. But as how that applies to me today, because all of these, I'm asking for the Holy Spirit to convict me today. And one thing that he illuminated to me was taxes. I'm self-employed. I've owned a hair salon now for almost 13 years. Um, and I get to thinking about that. And I'm just like, Wow. Do I, to the T, to the penny, pay in exactly what I'm supposed to, to Caesar? Pay Caesar what is due to Caesar, as the Bible says. You know, we're all looking for a write-off. But I'm just like, I don't want to be a thief either. Because I'm not subject to Caesar, but I am subject to God. So what does that look like? What does that look like? I don't know. You know, I think about stealing whenever it comes to, as far as the church goes. People that don't tithe correct. There, that was us for a lot of years. You know, like, what does, what does that look like? Me not giving God the first. And everybody has their own, you know, opinion over tithing. I'm not trying to get into that, that argument. But if we do it like the New Testament says and Jesus says, he says to give generously, right? 
he, he ends up clapping for the lady that gave the last two pennies. So if we want to really tithe like Jesus says to tithe, it would be a whole lot more than 10%, in my opinion. But it's like, am I really stealing from God? And I think that stealing comes from a whole nother wider range than even what we think of. So there's just a few more I want us to check into. What about whenever you insult somebody, maybe willingly or unwillingly, and you steal their joy? You steal their peace. What is that theft? Or how about if you if you have a project or something at work or anything, but you take credit for someone else's work? Maybe it's going to make you look better. Maybe it's going to make you look smarter. But you're taking credit for something you never never did. These are the things that we can steal, y'all. These are the things that I'm praying that we can just see and be like, you know what? That's not for me. I'm convicted because I did this. Look at the end of that one. The next one is going to be bearing false witness. Who we? This one's tough. Do you repeat anything that you do not know firsthand? Whoa. Say you do know it firsthand, but it is not uplifting or edifying. Do you repeat it? We're all guilty. And so it's like bearing false witness. Don't say something about something that you don't know and spread lies. Don't lie. Don't gossip. Don't bear false witness. The thing about the mouth is, is it holds us back because it, it, it counteracts itself. Praying blessings, speaking curses. Praying blessings, speaking curses. Slander, praise. It should not be that way. You shouldn't be having a light switch. We're just turning on and off, on and off, on and off. And I speak that to myself too. Okay, the last one is shall not covet. When the Bible talks about this in Deuteronomy, it actually says you are not to desire what your neighbor has, not his wife, not his donkey, not his field, not his oxen. So what they have, you should not desire that. And that gets a little sketchy too, because it's like, man, I really like the way her kitchen's set up. Should I, or man, I really like her new car that she got. I've been wanting to trade in for an expedition. My thing is, is do you desire that or do you desire that because she has it? That's the thinking that we kind of need to have, because I'm going to tell you what, when we start comparing, we're robbed of joy. We're robbed of gratitude. Then all of a sudden what God gives us and, and, and provides us, it's not good enough. I want what she's got. How many times do your kids, you have to buy two of things, y'all don't even lie because I live this. I'm like, I might as well lie too because he's going to want what she has. He, you know, and I'm like, am I even benefiting my kids by doing that? Because you don't need to desire what they have. Don't covet. Don't be jealous. Be happy for other people, number one, and be grateful for what you have. Y'all, these Ten Commandments are something that I just, I feel like whenever I was talking to them back back to earlier, I was talking about speaking about these to Maverick because I'm trying to talk about them more, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, Mama, we learned them in sign language at school. And I'm like, what? Like, I don't even have these memorized in English most days. But I'm so grateful <coughs> that people sow into my kids, even God sows into my kids through others whenever I'm not even aware of it. But y'all, this is something if our world could take more serious, just the Ten Commandments, what would our world look like? I'm going to strive to be better at it. I pray that you strive to be better at it. I pray that you make this something you do speak with to your kids about today. When you see them, maybe you don't have kids. Maybe you've got grandkids. Speak it into them. Maybe you don't have grandkids or kids or anybody around you, but you see a young girl that's a waitress at the cafe you go to. I don't know. But what I do know is, is that Moses was commanded by God to teach this so that it would further to the coming generations. And I pray that you honor that. I pray that you sow into the generations that are coming up after you, that you 
sow into this and that you reap this for yourself, that you start keeping and observing the commands of God differently yourself. I pray that today's episode encouraged you. I know that it has been like a stick of dynamite, um, but I pray that it blessed you. And all the passion that comes from behind this podcast, y'all, it's just stuff that I want us to start living. I'm ready to see revival like never before as it already is coming. And may it start with every single one of us. So I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. And I encourage you that you can have a relationship with the one that created you. So spread Jesus.